You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Thank you so much for coming. Can I get a second for all of the children in here? Can you just say Merry Christmas on the count of three so we can hear you? One, two, three. All right. Merry Christmas to all the kids and all the adults that are here today. We thank you for coming today. Uh, if, if you're visiting, we welcome you here to Calvary Chapel. I want to be straightforward with you and let you know I don't wear a suit every Sunday, okay? So if you come back next week, don't wear a suit. There probably won't be anybody here in a suit, okay? Maybe a few, and that's okay. We, we respect the suit wearers. But I don't wear one every Sunday, just so you know. And if you are not visiting, this is your church home. Hey, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming out today. It's such a blessing to gather in this time of year with the joy of the season and to be together. I want to announce a couple of things really quickly before we get into the word today. If you do need a Bible, though, the guys are going to come down the aisle now. Just raise your hand, flag them down while I'm making the announcements, and they'll get you a Bible. If you want one, the scriptures will also be on the screen. First of all, we're going to have a party tonight. Uh, we're always looking for occasions to party here at Calvary, and tonight's the ugly Christmas sweater party. So get the ugliest sweater you can imagine and come on out with your whole family. There'll be uh, cookie decorating, there'll be family pictures and some things like that tonight going on. Just some, some fun and games tonight at the church and that starts at 6.30 I believe. So come on out for that. And then the second announcement, sorry 6 o'clock it says on the slide. You always got to check the slides. 6 o'clock tonight for the ugly uh, Christmas sweater party. Also, on Christmas Eve at 4 o'clock here at the church, we'll be having a a Christmas Eve service uh, with candles and just a a time of reflection upon the Christmas story uh, before that day. And why 4 o'clock? Because that's midnight in Bethlehem, the day that Christmas starts in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ's uh, birth town. So that's why we do it at 4 o'clock. We'll be done by 5. Bring out the family. It'll be a good time just to get together one last time before we celebrate Christmas. So hope to see you there. This morning, uh, you can open up to Jeremiah chapter 10. That'll be the first scripture we look at this morning. Some of you are going, oh no, where's he going with this? You already know about the Jeremiah 10 scripture. Some of you, others you don't, but that's just the first scripture we'll be reading today. It's not the only scripture we'll be reading. As I said before, the scriptures will be on the screen if you want to follow along with us that way. Now... Probably be a good idea if I just prayed before we start our Bible study. And oh, I just wanted to just say this really quickly to the parents today. Hey, we are so blessed to have your children in the sanctuary with us today. We love families. We love children. I have four. um, And all of us, the reality is all of us were children at one time. And so this is the true body of Christ when all ages are represented. We love to have them in here with us. Hey, we don't have high expectations, parents. You don't need to rush them out and spank them if they shout, okay, during service. We understand, okay, and we have some coloring uh, crayons and pictures and that sort of thing, but we understand there'll be some interruptions this morning. We're, I'm, I'm okay with that, okay, uh, and I hope that you guys are too, so we don't have, you know, just, just enjoy the kids today, and, and kids, you better be quiet and pay attention, all right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this beautiful day today that we get to come together as a church the last Sunday before Christmas and we celebrate 
this wonderful event, Lord, the, the, the advent when you came with grace and salvation to the earth. Lord, we thank you for that. We reflect upon it today. Fill our hearts with joy and gladness at those good tidings. And Lord, may this time in the word this morning, may it touch our hearts and lives. And I pray, Lord, for those that don't know you and have never professed faith in you, Jesus, that today would be the day that you call them to do that. And Lord, that you uh, convert them to uh, your holy name, Jesus Christ, that they would be saved. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen. I just want to say a big thank you this morning to my wife and to the many people who helped her with the decorations of the church this year. You guys did a great job. Can we just give them a round of applause? I, I appreciate that. I'm thankful for them because they remind me so much of my family and our traditions as, as I grew up in a family of five children. And as I was growing up, uh, this season was such a fun time for the family. There was this tree decorating day that we had, that special day when we would get our tree, usually a live one when I was a younger boy and there was less of the children around, uh, but a fake one when I was older and life was real hectic. Uh, our family tradition, which, was, uh, which we've now continued with my own children, was to decorate the tree together as a family, enjoying that time. Uh, usually, my dad was in charge of the oh-so-important lights. They always went on first in just the particularly the right way. And I got to help him, but only when I was old enough to know that it wasn't a game to just see how fast we could throw them up there, Right? My mom would have several uh, goodies waiting for us in the kitchen, such as hot chocolate and ice-cold eggnog. There would be several types of cookies there across the table spread out to choose from. And they always included the Christmas favorites. There was the chocolate crinkles. Those were my dad's favorite. Then there was my favorite, the Ritz crackers that had peanut butter between them, and then they were dipped in chocolate. Oh, amazing. Then there was the Russian tea cakes. There was the, you know, the, the Russian tea cakes that you roll in the white powdered sugar. Oh, amazing with coffee, I'm telling you. Then there was the ginger snaps made with real molasses and, of course, the classic staple chocolate chip cookies, right? You can't have Christmas without those somewhere in the mix. We would put the ornaments up together around the tree, talking about them and the memories that they gave us. And when I was a little guy, I remember... My favorite ornament was this little Star of David. It had a little metal frame, and we had taken like some plastic beads, I think, or something like that, or maybe they were uh, glass beads, and melted them down to fill in that frame. And so the frame was filled in, in my case, with blue and red glass. And I made that in my Sunday school class with Mrs. Eleanor Greathead. Yes, that was her real name. She was my Sunday school teacher. I still remember to her this day, and I'm, I'm going to see her in heaven. I can't wait to tell her. But it was a great time of connection, a great time of sharing, a great time of family warmth. But then I can remember a time as I grew up when I spent my first Christmas away from home. It was while I was in the military. And from that point on, life began to change. You, it just does as you grow up and move out of the house You see, there was a time in my life there when my views on Christmas were challenged. I think we all go through this when we grow up or things happen in life 
Sometimes the beauty and the wonder of Christmas can be challenged by life's circumstances. Perhaps you're here today and you can relate to that. You, uh, uh, this Christmas season is not just a joyous time, but it's also a time when you remember the losses in your life. In my life, this came from some of the things that were circulating uh, there on the internet and throughout the church, the Christian church. Questions about the origins of Christmas. You know, there was the question, you know, well, isn't it really just based on pagan rituals? Saturnalia and Babylon and all of that. Then there was the questions about Santa Claus. You know, should we really be talking about him? Should parents really attribute the gifts to this fictional character? Then there was thoughts about the materialism. Thoughts that have probably hit me stronger this year as I spend my first Christmas in the States in nine years. But thoughts that this is, is not about, uh, you know, necessarily everything that we can get. Oftentimes that's what Christmas is about for people. I could see how much commercialism targeted the Christmas season. Lots of focus on getting more stuff. And it seems that lots of people get rich. Uh, during the Christmas holiday, uh, you know, using it to, to, you know, make money. Not to mention the unnecessary burden that they place on people to pressure them into buying more stuff. Sometimes that they can't afford. Then there was the question of the tree. Are we participating in some kind of a pagan ri- worship ritual by putting up the Christmas tree? What about Jeremiah 10, the Christmas tree passage? There, if you're there in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 10, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, verses 2 and 4. They'll be on the screen. It says, this is what the Lord says. Do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. They decorate it with gold and silver and then fasten it securely with hammer and nails so it won't fall over. Sounds like a Christmas tree, right? Why are we doing all these things? I questioned and I began to wonder and I was questioning all of those things in the materialism that I saw. But as time went on and I grew in my maturity and in my walk with the Lord, I began to realize that most of that was based on an illusion not reality, and it was based in condemnation and not conviction. Obviously, I've changed, right? I mean, look at the stage. We have several trees on stage. What was it that changed? Well, I'm going to get into that. But the internet and the church at that time, much of what was being circulated and much of what was written was by folks that were disgruntled or upset in some way or another They had chosen to have sort of a bah humbug attitude when it came to this stuff. You see, in my experience, the Christians that truly have convictions about these things, they're okay with everybody else doing their thing. They just do their thing because that's what the Holy Spirit's put in their heart to do. And they're okay with everybody else. But those that are bah humbugging it and have that sort of an attitude when it comes to all of these things, well, you know, as they say, misery loves company, doesn't it? Whatever they wanted me to believe about Christmas, I began to see that it really wasn't the case in my practical day-to-day reality. Why am I good now with the decorations, with Christmas trees all around me here? 
Well, I began to understand something as I saw Christmas unfolding around me from year to year. It's a season when we see everyone, not just Christians, everyone, mind you, yearning for peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It's a time when joy is fashionable in a sense and when gracious hearts are seen all around, unless you're in the Black Friday line at Target at 4 a.m., right? It's a time when human beings come together around a common desire of the human heart, that the innate desire that God has built into all of us to have peace on earth and joy in our hearts. You know, there was a boy who was born on 15th of March in 270 A.D. His name was Nikolaos, and he was born in Patara, Turkey. He lost both of his parents at a young age to a plague, and they were very wealthy, so he inherited quite a, a, a large inheritance. This boy, Nikolaos, he grew up and came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He felt the call to ministry, later becoming a bishop in his own hometown. That's a pastor, by the way. And he was known for having a generous and loving heart, as well as a love for the truth. In fact, Bishop Nicolaus, he was one of the church leaders who was present and signed the Nicene Creed at the Council of Nicaea. But among the things that he was known for was how he used to beg food from the wealthy and give it to those who were poor. He used to also disguise himself and hide gifts and coins in the shoes of those who left them on the porch overnight. There's also a story about him of how he helped three single young ladies who couldn't afford their own dowry. That was the gift that they were required to give any young man who would marry them in those times. And so if a, if a woman didn't have that dowry, then her chances of marrying well were, were slim. But Nicolaus saw their need. And he secretly provided each one of them with a purse of money so that they could get married to respectable men and avoid a life of poverty. You see, this is the loving, generous man that the legend of Santa Claus comes from. He has come to represent almost the entire world's desire for someone to be generous and kind to them. So when I begin to bah humbug the Santa Claus idea... Or whenever I choose to harm the spirit of Christmas by bashing a Christmas tree decoration or the tradition of celebrating by buying gifts for others, I am really kind of burning my bridges to the rest of the world who is truly trying to celebrate Christmas and they love Christmas because of what it stands for. And so I need to be careful. You know, when my children have a birthday party, I love to see how my wife goes to great lengths to celebrate their special day. And when she comes to me to ask if it's okay if we have a party for them, I don't shut her down. I don't say, you know what, I don't want anybody else to profit off of my kid's birthday this year. We don't care about that. We care about making our child happy. We care about blessing them. Well, Christmas is Jesus' birthday. And instead of giving gifts to Jesus who's in heaven, we give gifts to each other to show love and generosity and to celebrate him by having a big party in his honor. What about the Christmas tree, we might ask? Well, I've got to tell you this morning that if you're doing what they did with that tree in Jeremiah chapter 10, you know, making it into an idol and getting naked and dancing around under it while you look for your future in the stars, you need to stop it, okay? 
because that is a problem and not just for your family. But if your Christmas tree is just the thing that you and your family gather around as you remember and celebrate Jesus and his coming by giving presents to each other, then I say it's a good thing. In fact, when we look at a Christmas tree, what does it really mean? What is it? Well, for one thing, it's green. And green stands for life. You know, it's the middle of winter. None of my trees have green leaves on them. But that Christmas tree I chopped down is green, at least right now. And those artificial ones, they stay green. But they, they, they look green because they look alive. They, they, they show us that something is alive. And then the lights are shining and people are gathering. So it produces light. It's a place of gathering. And it's a place where love is shared. In other words, I believe it's an extension of what God wanted on the earth in the first place. Life, light, love. You see, Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world." didn't he? Those who follow him will not walk in the darkness. They have the light of the truth shining in their lives. You see, I don't believe that God is opposed to trees. In fact, he's the creator of them. And I want to show you where the first Christmas tree came from by showing you a few trees that we see in the scripture, just for a few more minutes this morning. First of all, we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you'll flip over to Genesis chapter 2, we see there. We read about the Garden of Eden. The paradise that was mankind's home. It was perfect. Covered in trees, all kinds of trees with everything that you needed for life. An abundant life. But there was this one tree that was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was the one tree that God had given Adam and Eve instructions not to eat. Look at verse two, or chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 17. It'll be on the screen as well. It says that uh, God tells them that in the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, kids, do you think that Adam and Eve listened to that command? No, they didn't, did they? They're just like me. They're just like you. When we get a command, when mom says, don't think about pink elephants, what do we do? We think about pink elephants, don't we? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Well, that's what Adam and Eve were like too. And you know what? Things were changed. Things immediately were changed forever because of the curse of sin and the disobedience to God. Guess what? This death entered the world. And ever since that moment, every single instance of evil, pain, suffering, war, and death, it can all be traced back to that one moment. That was the moment that man became separated from God in their hearts. And every person since Adam has been born with the same nature that is dominantly selfish, thinking of ourselves, and as well as this feeling that something isn't right, we know that we're not complete. Even Christians have this sense, even believers, we have this sense that we're not done yet, that we're not there yet, we're not completely fulfilled yet. Although Jesus takes away and removes the shame and the sin in our lives, we're still not made for this world. There's something more that God has planned. But we're going to talk more about that a little bit later on because we're going to look at another tree first. That's the second tree in the book of Genesis. 
chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, the tree of shame. After Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I would suggest to you today that many people are still metaphorically hiding behind the trees of shame. Just like Adam and Eve are in verse eight or verse 7 and 8. You see... We attempt to hide from God, even though that is deceiving because nothing can be hidden from God. God sees all. He sees our hearts. He sees the intents and motives of, behind all the things that we do. He sees those thoughts that never re, uh, uh, come out into the light. He sees the, the, the words that are formed and never spoken. He sees and knows all of those things. We can try to hide it from others, and we can even try to hide it from our own true feelings. Because we fear being discovered. We fear being discovered, rejected, and then abandoned by those that we love and by God. You see, your sin and my sin have a traumatizing effect on our souls, our inner person. Sin causes us to feel separated from God and others. It creates fear, that fear of discovery, and it causes a break in our relationship with God first and with others It creates fear, the fear of being discovered, as I said before, that fear of the light shining into our lives and exposing the darkness. And instead of running to God to receive forgiveness, because He's waiting there with His arms open, He's the one who can forgive and heal. Instead of running to Him, we often hide behind the tree of shame, living in our secrets and managing our sinful habits to protect ourselves. Many of us, can uh, create this false identity, this false self that we hide behind so that people cannot see the real heart, the real us inside. That's the problem, isn't it? The problem begins when we created that false self, a person who copes with life's pain and the suffering that comes from disobeying our own God-given conscience. Where can we find the help that we need? Who can we go to to find the love and the acceptance that we desperately desire so deep inside of all of us? What or who can forgive us and erase the shame that we feel? Well, we need to go to the next tree, and that is the tree of reconciliation. The tree of reconciliation. We can go to Galatians if you have your Bible open and you're following along. Galatians, otherwise it will be on the screen, don't worry. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, we read this. And I'm going to read, go ahead and read from the New Living Translation this morning. It says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. What was it that God promised to Abraham oh so many centuries ago when they were together there sharing a friendship, relationship? Well, God told Abraham that if you believe, 
If you believe, it will be counted to you as righteousness. It will be imputed into your account as righteousness. In other words, if you by faith accept what I'm telling you today, Abraham, you will be considered righteous. You will be considered righteous by my Holy Spirit. I'm going to cleanse you and I'm going to give you the gift of justification. This is proof that God loves you. This is proof that God loves you. Because His greatest gift ever given was given to you and to me and we celebrate it this Christmas. It's His own Son, Jesus Christ. The verse says, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. The tree of reconciliation. He hung there for you and for me. He hung in your place and in my place to rescue you and I from sin, shame, death, and condemnation. You see, the law of God is perfect. There's not one person here today that can say, I live up to God's law. It was because of your sin and my sin that we are guilty as charged. Our sentence is death and eternal condemnation. But the good news today is that Jesus Christ died for you and for me on the tree of reconciliation. Reconciliation means to make friends with again, to restore to a position of friendship. And that is what the cross is. It's a place where we, through God's grace, by faith in Jesus Christ, become friends with God again. That is what the Father wants with you and with me here today. Your heavenly Father desires a relationship with you, a personal relationship. He wants to know you. Christians, you've been going to church your whole life, but that's not what you're going to be questioned about when we are standing before the Lord one day. We're going to be standing there before the Lord, and He's going to want to know whether or not He has a relationship with you. Has, have you walked with him? Have you talked with him? Have you shared your life stories and your heart with him? Have you listened to him? Have you received that guidance? It's a relationship that the Heavenly Father is looking for this Christmas. That's why Jesus did what he did on the tree of reconciliation. All who believe in him, trusting that he did that for them. The word of God says that they will not pass away. They will not be condemned They will not live with that shame and guilt over them, driving them away from that relationship that God so desperately wants. But rather, He promises to take that and to remove it from you. He promises to forgive your shame. And He promises you peace through grace with the God that loves you so much. He, He promises joy. Jesus says, I want to be your Savior. He'll give you an abundant life, a fulfilled life. There's no one here today that can say, you know what? God doesn't love me. Phil, if you only knew my circumstances, if you could only listen to my story, you know, each one of us has a story. God is the author of it. And I want you to know that he would not write a story that doesn't have good for you in mind. God of the universe wants to, to bless you, and the proof of his love is that he gave the most precious, expensive, most costly thing that he could give to redeem you, to buy you back again, to restore friendship again, and that is his own son, Jesus Christ. 
He does love you. He proved it by sending Jesus, and we're going to celebrate his birthday on December 25. Yes, I said December 25. Did you hear that, kids? What day is that, kids? Christmas, that's right. Well, which day of the week is it? Friday. Okay, some of you know. Some of you know. That's right, Friday. I could see some of them trying to figure it out. You know, what is he talking about? This Friday, kids, when you're opening your gifts and you're celebrating with your families and traditions and all of the joy, I want you to remember who made the first Christmas tree and what his son did on the tree of reconciliation. Remember, remember that, but also remember the last tree, the last tree that we're going to talk about today, and that is the tree of life. If you have your Bibles, flip to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So this is a yet future event that is going to happen. Verse 2, It flowed down the center of the main street, on each side of the, of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. With each fresh crop, with a fresh crop each month, and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. This is the last tree that's mentioned in the scriptures, the tree of life. It's what Christians have to look forward to. It's the tree that's going to heal the nations and will truly bring peace on earth and if you follow the news today you know that we're a far cry from peace on earth and i personally believe that the lord is allowing us to reach a state of desperation desperation on a global level to teach us that there is no government of man that can achieve what only god can 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 do through the tree of reconciliation through jesus christ and his death on the cross for our sins I want to encourage you today to come to the tree of reconciliation, to find life, abundant life. That is the tree where you gather around the cross and by faith believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. It's a place where your healing begins. Healing begins at the foot of the cross. That, that pain that you might feel, that sense of loss that you might have, It's at the foot of the cross that God can take any situation and begin to make it sweet. He can make it good. There can be good that comes out of it. Can I encourage you today to remember these trees? The tree of knowledge of good and evil where original sin entered the world, where separation happened between God and man. The tree of shame where man hides, desperately longing for love and acceptance, But driven by fear, he's hiding from God, living out of a false self, coping with the trauma of sin, the damage that it's done in his life by pursuing other things that never satisfy, never fulfill. Then there's the tree of reconciliation where we all need to gather in faith, trusting the work of salvation has been done. You don't need to be uh, gaining God's favor. There's nothing you can do to be better off in God's sight Because Jesus Christ has done it all 
at the cross. And now restoration is available. Love is available. Jesus says to you and to me, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your soul because my burden is light and my load is easy. That is the tree where you will find that healing begins. But it's at the tree of life where your healing will be completed. Let me encourage you today that you are being given the opportunity and the invitation extended to rejoice this Christmas season, to celebrate with your family and friends, to gather around the tree and to remember that the real originator of the tree, God himself, stepped into human form, lived a sinless, perfect life, fulfilled all of the law that God had laid out as a requirement for justification. And then he willingly died in your place and in my place so that we might receive the justification from God by faith. Remember that as you gather around your tree with your family. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you today, this morning, for the gift of life. We thank you for the opportunity that you have blessed us with today to gather once more before we celebrate Christmas with our families or the second to last time before we celebrate with families, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would bless all of the children. Lord, I pray that you would bless all of the parents and the grandfathers and grandmothers and brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that you would bless all of them, Lord, and that you would help all of us to remember that we're all really just your kids too. That you view us as children. And you want us to come as children to you, believing, Lord. Believing in your goodness. Believing that you reward those that seek you, Lord. Pray that we remember that. And continuing in this attitude of prayer this morning, just want to ask if there's anyone out there this morning that knows they need Jesus. You know that you need to come to the tree, the tree of reconciliation, where by faith you can be restored to friendship with God today. Let me encourage you, you have nothing to lose but eternal condemnation and the shame that keeps you from God and others. You have everything to gain Because Jesus Christ offers you abundant life and he wants to heal you from the effects of sin in your life. If you are that person and you know who you are because God is speaking to you right now, the Holy Spirit is giving you this feeling in your heart that this is you, I would ask that you just raise up your hand this morning. As everybody continues in the attitude of prayer, if you know that you need Jesus, slip your hand up so I can see. I see your hand. Thank you for raising that hand. I see your hand as well. I see your hand there in the back. Thank you for raising that. Anybody else that by faith would just slip up your hand and say, you know what, I know that I need Jesus today. I need to come to the tree of reconciliation. Thank you for raising your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand as well. For those of you that have raised your hands this morning, you've raised them because you feel that God is speaking to you. I want to lead you in a prayer of allegiance and dedication this morning. So please pray along with me right where you are in your seats. And if you're already a Christian and you didn't raise your hand, then pray for those that did raise their hands because we all know that the enemy doesn't like it when people 
commit their lives to the Lord. So pray for them as I pray with them. If you raised your hand, please pray something along these lines with me. Pray, God, here I am. And I know that I have sinned against you. I know that I am living in fear. Fear of being discovered. And it's been keeping me from you. And it's been keeping me from others. But today, I know that you can see all of me. And you still want me, God. You still accept me. I believe that you showed your love for me by giving your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. And today, God, I want to tell you that I believe and I receive by faith the forgiveness that you offer to me. Thank you for paying for all my sins, Jesus, at the tree of reconciliation, the cross. And thank you for giving me for forgiving me of all my sins. I'm making you king of my heart today and forever, God. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit today and help me to live for you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.